The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome once again the Disability Law Show. To reach out, get a hold of Savannah or James or the team. Real, real simple. 1-855-821-5900. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Put a help at in front of that for email. And once you're on the website, by the way, you can uh, search and listen to past shows and catch the TV show as well. So that's uh, that's pretty cool to do. Disability Law Show on TV, so have at her at your uh, your convenience. There's another resource for you, I'm sure uh, Savannah will get to a little later on the show, called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. It's a great place for you to leave your questions there. There's also a database through which you can search, put in your topic, your subject, search. If it's been there, it's been answered and in depth. If not, leave it there, and it will get answered rather quickly. Again, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Lots of stuff to talk about on the show today, pal. Let's get uh, right into it, including copious emails. But first, the, uh, the week that was, you got a few situations you want to talk about, right? Absolutely, John. As usual, it's been a very, very busy week, and uh, we're going to talk about not just long-term disability. We're going to talk about injuries. This is a time of year where people get into a lot of accidents, unfortunately, car accidents, slip and falls, etc., and uh, we'll answer questions. So let me start off with uh, a question that was posted to that website you mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. mydisabilityquestions.com, and this one comes uh, from Jamie in Alexandria, and here's what she, she writes. She says, am I entitled to severance pay? if my employment is terminated when I'm on long-term disability. So, you know, this is something that comes up quite often, Uh, not necessarily that somebody's let go from their job when they're on LTD, although that does happen more frequently than I would like to see, Uh, but just generally people have employment issues because, you know, you can imagine you're on disability, you're away from work, Many employers, large companies and small companies, don't necessarily understand that they have to be extremely careful with how they deal with those employees. Uh, The the law affords a lot of protection to individuals who are on disability. And so the answer to the question for Jamie is 100%. If you are on LTD or STD, if you're on short-term disability or long-term disability, and your employer lets you go, not only are you entitled to severance, which we can help with because we have employment lawyers, not just disability lawyers at the firm, we have employment lawyers uh, that, that deals with these kinds of situations every day, but this is illegal under the Human Rights Code in Ontario, right. which means that you potentially are entitled to human rights damages. And I keep emphasizing this because there are quite a lot of employment lawyers out there who don't necessarily understand this concept, and there are a lot of employers and employees who don't understand Right, People don't understand that uh, as an employer, you have to be very careful with these kinds of employees. So if Jamie was let go while she was on LTD, uh, she's entitled to severance, so we can help with that, and she's entitled to human rights damages. And here's why this is so important to go to a lawyer or a law firm uh, like ours that uh, you know really focuses on those two areas of law, disability and employment. Because most LTD policies contain a provision that allows the, empl- the, the LTD insurer to claim credit for any severance you get. So imagine, John, you're on LTD. You've been let go from your job. You get severance of, let's say, $30,000. And you're not happy about it, but it's still money that comes in. And suddenly, the insurance company gets wind of it and says, hold on for a second. Under Clause 8.3 sub 2 of your LTD policy, we are entitled to get credit for that, which means you either fork over the money to us 
or we're not going to pay you for whatever period of time mm-hmm. uh, the LTD benefits would equal that severance. And of course, you're in shock at that point because what was the point of getting that severance? Well, guess what? The vast majority of LTD policies out there uh, do not have a provision that says that the insurance company is entitled to claim credit for human rights damages. So if Jamie came to us, she was let go from her job while on LTD, she came to us, our lawyers would then negotiate a package or, or get a settlement or get a judgment, whatever it is, from the employer that sections off a certain amount of money for human rights damages because the insurance company can't touch that money, which means that that money goes into the individual's pocket. So to answer Jamie's question, yes, technically, employers can let you go when you are on disability. They're not supposed to. It's against the human rights code. And if they do, we can help you with that. But more importantly, or as importantly, we can help you, we can help you navigate uh, the, 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 the LTD component of the, of the, of the equation, right? We, you don't want a situation where you get that severance and the insurance company eats that up. So, so that's my point. If you're in that situation, you make sure you, to give us a call before you do anything. That's great stuff to know because a lot of people, I guess, in that situation would figure, oh, I can uh, get my cake and eat it too. I'll be double dipping. And it's a, it's a bucket, bucket of water in the face when the insurance company turns and says, no, 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 you didn't read. We get credit yeah. for that. So you're not, you're not any further ahead. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, John, let, let me give you another scenario. Let's assume for a second that you're okay with your LTD. You're getting payments. The insurance company is not going to give you, it's not gonna give you any, any hassles. Right. But your employer just lets you go. So you're not thinking of coming to us where we have a specialty both in LTD and employment. You just go to an employment lawyer who doesn't know anything about LTD. And that employment lawyer says, yeah, John, I can get you the 30000 in severance. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. And here's what you're going to pay me for that. Well, guess what? You got that 30000 in severance. That employment lawyer was oblivious to everything I just talked about with the insurance company. Yeah. You end up paying that lawyer's fees and you get nothing by way of severance because the insurer eats it up. So if you have any issues with your employment, if you've been let go, if you have any issues with your LTD, or if you have that crossover, you have to talk to us because we understand both areas of law. We have lawyers who deal with both areas of law, and we can protect you from all sides. It's amazing. You often see I have uh, interplay between the two, and that's why you guys got it covered on, on, on both sides of, of the law, for sure, with employment and disability. Let's take a, a short break. Lots more to get through here. Some questions, some emails, and I know you have a, for, a few more cases you want to uh, discuss. In the meantime, reaching out, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Website is disabilityrights.ca. You want to send an email along. We'll try to get to it on this or a future show. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. It's a disability law show. Lots more on the way. Stand by. And right back at it, the Disability Law Show. To reach out, the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. DisabilityRights.ca. Past radio shows, TV show can be found on that website. Take advantage and listen and watch the past shows. There is so much to be learned. We'll get to some emails here in just a bit. Help at DisabilityRights.ca. First, pal, back into the, uh, the week that was. Next matter, what do you got going on? John, here's another question that was posted on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. This okay. one comes from, from uh, a, a gentleman in Brampton, and uh, it's, an, it's actually a very interesting question. Let me read this to you. He says, I am on LTD for four years now with paranoid schizophrenia and social agoraphobia. In brackets, he says, I avoid public places, crowds, malls, traveling, and buses, etc. My question is, if I drop off my daughter to the bus, uh, bus stop early... Uh, Sorry, early every morning mm-hmm. in the dark for her to catch the bus to go to work. Do you think that my insurance company would have a problem with this everyday morning activity based upon the symptoms I have told them? I have no restrictions on driving. 
So this is really, really interesting because, uh, you know, let's break this down. This person says that he's been on LTD for four years. What yep. does that mean? Well, we've talked a lot about what you need to qualify for LTD. Generally speaking, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to show, you have to demonstrate medically to the insurance company that you are disabled from doing your own occupation. It's called the yep. own occupation test. Now, to get beyond that two-year mark, uh, to get benefits after 24 months, the test changes. Now you have to demonstrate, again, with your doctor's support, that you cannot do any occupation. You're disabled from performing any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. We see a lot of individuals who suffer from various mental health illnesses um, you know, really struggle with, with, with that change in test. Insurance companies in my experience, than to pick on those individuals. But in this case, this gentleman here says, I've been on LTD for four years. So we have to understand, before we start delving into the actual question that he has, that he's qualified for the most difficult part of the test. In other right. words, the insurance company has now accepted that he, because of his disability, because of whatever symptoms he has, because of this paranoid schizophrenia, agoraphobia, etc., he cannot perform any occupation for which he's suited for. Okay, so we start with that, that the insurance company has accepted that. Mm -hmm. So now he's concerned, well, what's going to happen if they find out that I drive my daughter to work in the morning? Presumably, there are no restrictions on him driving. That's what he says. Presumably, the doctors will back that up. Okay. But here's the thing. There is uh, what I would like to, to see the insurance company do, and then there is what generally happens <sighs> that I see the insurance company do. Most insurance companies, when they find out something like this, or when they see you through surveillance going to the gym, or doing anything that they can then twist around and say, look, we know you're doing that, that is proof that you are not disabled from working, when really that is complete nonsense. Remember, you don't have to be uh, in a coma state and you don't have to be completely incapacitated in order to get LTD. That's right. In this case, this person is, is suffering from a mental health illness. He simply cannot be around people and he's schizophrenic. Presumably, he's taking a lot of medications. The insurance company knows this. But I bet you, John, that if they found out that he's driving his daughter to the bus station in the morning, and I'm, I'm assuming it's just a, you know, a drive for a few minutes, they would probably point to that activity and say, oh, seems like you can drive for meaning you can drive for a living. Maybe become a taxi driver, maybe uh. do something else. Now, I don't know what kind of job this person does, but I can tell you, John, that the fact that somebody drives for a few minutes in the morning to get their kid to a bus station does not mean that person is able to go back to work. What if that person is a financial analyst? What if that person has a very physical type of a job that involves being a lot, you know, around a lot of people? Remember, the insurance company is there technically to give you that safety net to pay you when you satisfy the test for disability. Unfortunately, insurance companies have a bag of tricks that they use, and they will use that, in, in my experience, oftentimes without consideration to what the doctors are saying. So what I would advise this individual is I would say, look, if your doctors are saying that it's okay for you to drive and you know it's okay for you to drive, that doesn't aggravate your disability. It has nothing to do with his inability to work in his right. occupation or any occupation for which he's suited. So, you know, in a situation like this, I can very well see the insurance company, if they have a private investigator on the payroll, uh, and that investigator gets some video footage or, or, or photo footage, and, and the insurance company sees that, I can see the adjuster writing to this individual, enclosing some photographs saying, ah, we caught you. We caught you, right. you know, driving in the morning, uh, your kid to work. We think you can work. We think you're scamming us when 
It's completely nonsense. But I can see the insurance company then cutting the person off. And you can just imagine how much stress that person will be under. So what is the solution? The solution is to do exactly what he did, which is to ask a question. I can then provide some advice, which mm-hmm. I, I had uh, and I am. And if the insurance company then unjustifiably cuts him off, he has to give me a call because, John, we can help him. You have no idea. And the people need to understand, when we give this information out on the radio, it's not in a vacuum. We have helped people. We have, we have been in a situation. You know, actually, you know what? Let, let me back up for a second. One of our lawyers, a few weeks ago, got retained by an individual that was cut off by the insurance company um, for, for whatever reason. So the lawyer in my office, all that lawyer had done is that lawyer wrote to the insurance company asking for a copy of their file. That lawyer in my office didn't even demand that the insurance company back off and put the person back on claim. They just asked for a, for a copy of the insurance company's file. You know what the response was from the insurance company? John, guess what the response was from the insurance company to our request for their file? I'm thinking they probably said, uh, no, not going to happen. Guess again, John. They really? reinstated him. They wrote Come back on. saying, oh, we're putting him back on claim. Well, they good. didn't even want to go down that route. What does that tell you? <laughs> it tells you that they are playing the odds that you're not going to seek legal advice, that you're going to simply assume you have no case and walk away and leave all that money that's owed to you in their pockets. Just outrageous. Just yeah. crazy. So we can help people. You just have to make that phone call or email me. Just get in touch with me, and we'll tell you if you have a case or if you don't. And if you don't have a case, we'll explain why. But at least you'll know your legal options. It's really not that tough. Just reach out. That's, uh, that's how it starts. Basically, what Savannah is saying, one 821 5900 the website, disabilityrights.ca. A couple more cases you want to talk about, then we'll move over to some emails and some questions as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And those last two questions came via mydisabilityquestions.com. You can use that any time as well. Lots more of the Disability Law Show is on the way. Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And right back to the Disability Law Show to reach out one 821 5900, that's the number. The website is disabilityrights.ca and help at if you want to send an email on to Savannah and we'll try to get to it on this show or one in the future. Uh, Another case you got to uh, talk about before we get to some questions and emails. What do you got going on, pal? Yeah, so here's another one. So, so as yeah. m- most of our listeners know, we have offices in on- in, uh, in Ontario as well as in British Columbia. Um, and uh, in, in BC, uh, they also have disability programs through the province, just like you have mm-hmm. ODSP, CPP disability, etc. Well, ODSP in Ontario, CPP disability is uh, is countrywide. So, so this is a question that was emailed to me from a gentleman uh, in 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 uh, British Columbia, and it's about LTD, and it's an interesting question. Uh, he, he, he writes the following. He says, hello, I've been denied LTD benefits, but have been approved for person with disability benefits through the province. Will this help my appeal? So let's break this down. Um, person with disability benefits, that is something that is in BC. But the reason I'm, re- I'm bringing this up is because to be eligible for that uh, disability program in BC, you have to show a variety of things. Uh, uh, one of which is that you have a severe physical or mental impairment that is expected to continue for more than two years. And you also have to demonstrate that you're significantly restricted in your ability to perform daily living activities. Mm. 
So, you know, in a way, you have to demonstrate that you are disabled from doing what, you know, what you can do in life, not necessarily in work, but in life. So what is he asking? He's saying, well, the fact that I was approved for that and the government here in BC has agreed that I am in fact disabled and my disability is essentially prolonged, right? It's going to continue yeah. more than two years. Is that going to help my appeal? So implied in that is that he was either denied, uh, well, actually, it's not implied. He actually says he was denied. So, so the first mistake, obviously, this person is making is thinking that by appealing that decision, he's going to get a different result than, than initially he got. And that's something we talk about a lot, appeals. These appeals, and you know, people know my opinion on those, James's opinion on those. And I can tell you off the record with conversations I have had with defense lawyers uh, who work for insurance companies, they understand that it's a hoax. These appeals, I'm not going to tell you that they never work, just like I'm never going to tell you that no one can ever win the lottery. But I can tell you that these appeals, for the most part, are nonsense, and they're designed to frustrate you and frustrate the process of you getting the benefits you're owed. So the first mistake here is this person is thinking that by qualifying for person with disability benefits, which would be, let's say, equivalent to uh, uh, getting CPP disability, you know, in other words, mm-hmm. the government says you're disabled, he thinks that's going to help his appeal. Could it help him somewhat, you know, if it got in front of the right person at the insurance company? Maybe, but don't count on that. I think that the, be- the, 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 the better solution or the better uh, um, route that he should take is starting a claim, a claim, yep. a legal claim against the insurance company. That's going to force the insurance company to the table. Because when you appeal one of those denials, you are appealing into the same people who denied you in the first place. And when we start a legal claim, we take that power out of the insurance company's hands. Anytime you are dealing with a situation with the insurance company, with the LTD insurer, says that they're denying your claim because they don't think you're disabled enough, and yet you got accepted through a disability program run by the government, and the government loves to deny claims. That's right. It does give you know more credence to your claim. You know, just just play this forward. Imagine this ended in court. Most of these cases never go to court, but imagine you got in front of a judge. You know, this case here with this individual from BC. Mm-hmm. And you go in front of the judge, and then you bring the various doctors. The doctors explain how this person is disabled from working. And there you have also the proof that this person was accepted into the disability program run by the government. So the government confirms that he's disabled from working. Right. How is the insurance company going to look on the other side? What do you think a judge is going to do? Now, the reason I say most of these cases don't go to trial, they don't go to court, is because insurance companies understand that they don't want to take the odds. They they don't like those odds. They don't want to take the risk of taking a case like that to trial. And so if you get approved for a government disability program and the government confirms that you are, in fact, disabled, it's going to help your case, but not necessarily at the appeal stage because appeals are useless. It's going to help you once we start that legal claim. It gives us more leverage against the insurance company. So that's the answer to his question. And when I respond back, I said, yes, it will help you, but not necessarily with your appeal. It will help you with us starting a legal claim on your behalf if you want to go that route. If you want to try the appeal route, no problem. You're going to waste a lot of time. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to get into more debt. It's up to you. I'm giving you that advice. But, you know, these are your legal options. And that's what we do here, John. We give people legal options. We don't press you or, or pressure you to, to, to do one thing or the other. We just want you to understand what your options are. 
Yeah, it's interesting how that appeal still appeals to people. When they get that notice, they think it's all legal, and then some people actually think they have to do it. But it's you know it's all on company letterhead, and it's like, oh look, I've got uh, I've got a safety net. I can appeal and get the get, the, <laughs> get things turned around. No, no, rarely happens. Very, very good point, John. Very, very good point. Most people think that when you're invited to appeal, when that letter comes in the mail or via email and it says at the bottom, you know, you have 30 days to appeal, whatever it is, you think that's the formal process you have to go through. Right. No, it's not the formal process. Absolutely not. It's an arbitrary deadline set by the insurance company to pressure you. We've talked about this before. These appeals are, they're a mechanism that's internal to the insurance company, right? I mean, you know, it's like, it's like a kid being denied candy by mom and then goes to dad. And, and you know, the, 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 the point is you're asking, you're asking your parents. You're not asking a third party to adjudicate whether you should be getting that right. candy. You know, so, so it's, you have to understand that there is a much more powerful way of going after the insurance company. And for those people out there who... You know, say, well, this is self-serving. You're a lawyer. Mm-hmm. This is what you do for a living. You know what? So let me put this out there. Don't contact me. Do your research. Contact another d- d- disability lawyer. But sure. my point is, you got to go to a lawyer that knows what they're doing and a lawyer that's not going to pressure you, a lawyer that's going to explain the options but not pressure you. No different than going to the right doctor. The right doctor is going to give you all the information you need and explain everything and answer all your questions. They're never going to pressure you. They're not going to force you to make a decision, but they'll give you those options. You know, the last thing you want is not to get that information, to think that you know everything or to believe what the insurance company is doing. Trust me, you do that, you fall into their trap. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is how you reach through. Uh, email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to some of those uh, shortly in the next uh, break. I would imagine a bunch of questions for you as well. And uh, we'll take a short break. This is the Disability Law Show right here on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Disability Law Show, 1-855-821-5900, toll-free number, don't you know? The website is disabilityrights.ca, and you want to send along an email, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to get to some questions here, but red flags first, so I know you had one more, uh, one more Matty, you wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, John, it's this is coming in fast and furious. So this one yeah. comes from uh, uh, Giselle. So here's what Giselle writes. She says, my name is Giselle. Uh, I am 59 years old, and I'm presently on LTD. I suffer from severe depression and anxiety. I just got a call this morning from Diane at the insurance company, and she informed me that she sent a form to my doctor to fill out three weeks ago, and that if he doesn't send it back to her soon, it would affect my February payment. My doctor is very slow at filling insurance forms. Last time, it took him over six weeks, and even then, I had to go sit in his office and not leave until he sent them. All this has added a lot more stress and anxiety. Can the insurance company really stop my payments for this reason? So this is also an interesting question because people email me all the time and call me all the time asking me, well, how much is too much and what do I do if my doctors don't comply with the request that the insurance company sends them? Mm-hmm. Look, the insurance company is entitled to updates. They're entitled to documents, uh, medical records, reports, opinions that confirm whether or not you are disabled or whether you have certain impairments from a medical standpoint. You know, we can't fault an insurance company for that. As much as I, as I come down hard on insurance companies, they are entitled to that, okay? They, 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 there is a certain criteria by which they evaluate whether you should be on LTD and whether you should be continuing to get LTD. 
And if a doctor doesn't comply and says, I'm not going to send any reports, well, then that's going to affect your claim. You're going to have to either have a heart-to-heart with your doctor and mm-hmm. explain the gravity of the situation or right. change doctors. Or if you have an issue such as a neurological problem or a psychiatric problem, whatever the, 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 the source of your disability is, get a referral from your doctor to a specialist. And then when you get that referral and go to the specialist, explain the situation with your insurance company as well and confirm with that specialist that they can provide those updates in a timely manner. But, you know, you have to understand that you do have to give that to your doctor. Now, let's assume for a second that we're not dealing with a doctor that does not want to send information to the insurance company. It's just a doctor that's a bit delinquent here and there, okay? For the insurance company to say that if in three weeks they don't get an update, they're going to cut you off, that is ludicrous. It's absolutely inappropriate. I've never seen an LTD policy that says, that has a provision in there that says, you know, we're going to cut you off uh, if your doctor does not provide an update within three weeks. It doesn't exist. Now, what I suggested to this person to do, what I told her to do is I said, email your adjuster, explain the difficulties you're having with your doctor, explain mm-hmm. that you're doing everything on your end, confirm that you are continued, uh, that, that, that your disability continues, and, and, and confirm that you're doing everything that you can to get your doctor to comply, but that he's just extremely busy or she's extremely busy, and you're going to do everything you can to make sure that they send the information to the insurance company. It's very important that you put this in writing. Not just tell the adjuster this on the phone, because this may, if, if, you, if you just do this by way of a conversation, the adjuster may or may not record this in their notes. If you send an email to the insurance company, and then subsequently, despite your email, despite what you've conveyed to the insurance company, they cut you off, and you come to us, trust me, we will either get you reinstated on benefits, or we're going to go so hard against the insurance company, they're going to want to come to the table faster than you think uh, to try and resolve your claim on an all-inclusive basis because I think that is a completely inappropriate way for the insurance company to adjudicate a claim. To tell you that because your doctor is delayed by more than three weeks and giving an update, they're going to cut you off these benefits, this lifeline that you need to survive financially. They can't do that. But they do do that. Why? Because it applies pressure on the person. Remember, insurance companies often employ... Uh, tactics and strategies to increase pressure on claimants. They're not supposed to, but they do that because many, many people get to a point where they say, you know what? I've had enough. I can't deal with this adjuster anymore. I can't deal with this insurance company anymore. You know what? I might as, it's going to kill me. I might as well just give up and just let my insurance lapse, let them cut me off, walk away and just live on the street because otherwise I'm just going to, I'm going to die from all the stress. And, and you know that's that's to me that's egregious. It's egregious conduct by the insurance company, and I just want people to know you have options. You have options. Okay. If the insurance company does that to you, give us a call. Let let us talk to you about your specific situation and give you advice. Better yet, better yet, make sure you tell the insurance company that you heard me on the radio and this is what I said, and they have to be careful. Okay, because trust me, a lot of adjusters, a lot of people at the insurance industry, they're listening to this show. They know exactly the information we've been giving out for years now, James and I. So, you know, don't let them bully you. You do have a a lot more power than you think you do. And this is what I want to convey to people. By the way, John, I just want to make sure for people who have never heard this show before, because we do have new listeners all the time. Yep. I have worked for insurance companies in the past. And so when I'm telling you that as an individual, you have all this power, okay? Don't, don't, you know, 
take that at, 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 at face value. I mean, I, I, know, I know it seems ludicrous to say that you as an individual have as much power, if not more, over the insurance company, despite the fact that they have all those billions of dollars. You have a lot of power. Because as soon as, as soon as you stand up for your rights, as soon as they have to get a lawyer to defend themselves, they are bleeding money. And they hate bleeding money to lawyers. They, ha- they hate getting defense lawyers like you know the type of lawyer that I was. They hate paying those bills. They don't want to do that. They are banking on people capitulating and walking away and getting bullied. We'll take a, a short break and there's some questions about uh, red flags when it comes to uh, lawyers. That's on the way for sure. You want to uh, reach out. Uh, simple help at disabilityrights.ca is a good way to do that. The toll-free number anytime, one 855 821-5900 Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show continues. Savannah is here taking your questions. Uh, email is help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number anytime, of course, when we're not on the air is one eight five five. 821-5900 and another resource for you. Uh, we've used it, referred to it several times today, mydisabilityquestions.com. You know, there are, as uh, you've alluded to many times, red flags you should watch out for, not only with your insurance company. We know that. That's a glaring, big, obvious thing that we talk about every uh, every week, but also with the lawyer you retain. Um, in your opinion, what are some things you, you would advise people to be careful of when dealing with a lawyer? Yeah, you know, I, it, to me, anytime I speak about this or people call me up and they already have a lawyer and they're describing their circumstances and, and I, I can see that there is an issue with the way the lawyer is handling the claim or communicating, yeah. you know, it, it makes me very sad because we are, I mean, I, I see my job as very, very important, uh, not, not just, uh, you know, in, in terms of the individuals that I'm helping, but just for the industry as a whole. Generally, lawyers don't have a good reputation, especially lawyers who do injury work, disability work, you know, and, and and part of that is, you know, Hollywood is to blame. And part of that is a lot of lawyers out there are to blame. Uh, and in fact, you know, John, yesterday um, I, I gave an interview uh, to uh, CBC about um, uh, nursing home abuse. And, uh, you know, one of the things that the reporter asked me was, uh, why why do you take those kinds of cases on? Why? I mean, th- there's not right. a lot of money in those cases. And, and, you know, it sort of stopped me in my tracks when she said that because she said she spoke to other lawyers who said, well, there's no money in it. So, therefore, they don't deal with those kinds of cases, despite the fact that you have a lot of reporting out there uh, for nursing home and old age home abuse and neglect. And I said, you know, it's not all about the money. Mm-hmm. It's not all about the money. There, there are people who are vulnerable in the society out there. And I think it's incumbent on myself and other lawyers like me to dedicate a portion of their practice to helping those people. So with that, let me go to some red flags that I sometimes see uh, when people talk to me about the lawyers that, that they have. And, and by the way, there are a lot of good lawyers out there. I, I want to stress that. There, there was one Absolutely. gentleman that contacted me last week, and he expressed some concern with how long his claim was taking. And I, I asked him flat out, I said, who's your lawyer? And he told me who that lawyer is. I know that lawyer. I know that law firm. I told him, I don't know what's happening. He has to speak with his lawyer, but his lawyer is one of the top lawyers in the field. I told him that. I said, do not switch. That lawyer knows what he's doing. I've spoken with him quite a few times. I've seen his results. Trust me, he knows what he's doing. But yeah. clearly, there's a communication breakdown if he had to call me about this issue. So... First thing, you have to be very careful if you're dealing with an injury case, you've been injured, especially if it's a very serious injury or you've been denied long-term disability, you have to make sure that you go to a lawyer that has expertise in that area of law. You are not going to go, uh, you know, if you need back surgery, to a dentist. 
right? <laughs> You're not going to go to a, a back surgeon if you need dental surgery. You have to be very careful who you go to. You got to do your research. And that's why I tell people, we don't do anything at our law firm except for helping people with their employment matters and their disability and injury matters. That's what we focus on. So if somebody comes to me because they have a family law issue, I'm going to refer them to someone else, someone that I know, or an immigration issue or a tax issue, etc. So you have to make sure that you go to someone who does not say that they do everything under the sun. The law is way too complex for that. Just like medicine is way too complex for that. There is no one doctor that knows every uh, field of right. medicine out there. There just isn't. Same thing with law. So be very careful. Number two, this is a pet peeve of mine, Okay. Lawyers are notoriously known for not responding in a timely manner. I am on the other side of the spectrum, and I'm not saying that everyone should be like me. Uh, I've said this before. You email me at 5 in the morning, you are most likely going to get an email back at 5.01. That's extreme. And that, by the way, is the same thing when I go on vacation, out of the country. I am glued to my phone. That's just the way I am. But it is completely unacceptable, completely unacceptable for you to be uh, sending requests by email or phone or whatever it is to your lawyer or your lawyer's assistant and get no response back for days. There is zero reason for that, zero excuse for that. I don't care what happened. I don't care. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it, it's unthinkable to me. And, and, you know, to lawyers out there, and whether you're dealing with a disability case, an injury case, a family law issue, You know, people are coming to you because they have a major issue in their life that they need help with. Just turn the tables. If you were in that situation, would you want someone who's going to take days to respond to a simple question? No, of course you wouldn't. Nobody would. So responsiveness is absolutely key. And and here's the, the, from a practical standpoint, I'll tell you this. If your lawyer takes days and weeks to respond to you, if ever, how long do you think it takes that lawyer to respond to the other lawyer that they're dealing with on your case? Right? Maybe the reason yeah. that your case has been going on for seven years is because your lawyer takes a year to respond to an email. So again, not acceptable. And all the lawyers in my office, they know if I ever get a complaint about any lawyer or paralegal at my firm that hasn't responded, that lawyer or paralegal, after, after I speak with them, trust me, they will never make that mistake again. And it's happened in the past. And it's happened in the past that we've let people go because the responsiveness was crap. That's completely unacceptable. Uh, So if your lawyer is just taking too long to respond to the simplest questions, you have a problem there as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think I, I think you're wrong. I think they uh, should all be like you. And, I mean, I've dealt with you for years now, and this isn't just when it comes to work matters. This is on social matters. I mean, you are right back with an email. And I always use you as an example for people who malinger and don't get back for two days. I'm like, what is your problem? Especially in your business, I think every lawyer should, especially in that business, be right back as, as quick as you do. I don't think it's anything special. I think it's what's proper, to be honest. I agree with you 100%. I, there was one, one client I remember one time a few years back, and I love this. It's just in my memory ingrained. He actually emailed me, I think it was 5.30 in the morning about his wife's case. It was a very, very tragic situation, very serious accident. And I respond back immediately. And, and he wrote me back saying, I, he says, I don't understand. I, I, I don't even know if I hit the, the, you know, the enter button. I don't understand how you responded so quickly. You know? and, 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 and by the way, it's not just my clients. Because of the fact that we're out there with the TV programs, with the radio programs in BC, in Ontario, I get calls from all over, Alberta, you know, everywhere. People are amazed that we respond so quickly. Not just me, by the way, Lior too. 
right? Uh, partner who does employment law. You bet. This is ingrained in us and it's ingrained in our lawyers. We operate very differently than many, many other law firms. And if we get a complaint that one of our lawyers is not doing that, there's going to be hell to pay because that's unacceptable. More red flags on the way. You got uh, some questions about some of them. Maybe you're dealing with a lawyer in this uh, regard. Reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, or email fantastic option help at disabilityrights.ca. This is a disability law show right here on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The Disability Law Show. Keep it coming. Uh, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca. The website. You can catch past radio shows. The television show there as well. And email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We are talking about the various, uh, I can't say numerous, but some red flags you should be watching out for when dealing with or hiring a, uh, a lawyer. What's, uh, what's next on your list, pal? Uh, so another thing that I, I don't think is right that lawyers fail to do, and, and this is, again, a chronic issue with lawyers, is that many of them don't take the time to explain the process. What is the legal claim that's going to be involved? Or if there's no legal claim, what is the negotiation strategy? And, you know, people, when again, when they come to us with employment matters, with disability matters, injury matters, they need information. Yeah. Uh, you know, bef- before uh, the holidays, actually during the holidays, um, I, I actually have a neighbor uh, that him and his wife were, were injured in a terrible car accident uh, just a few weeks before. And, uh, and anyways, I came to their house and I spent about two and a half hours with them and, and I explained absolutely everything they needed to know about their car accident situation. And they asked me a whole bunch of questions. You know, she has a neck brace. They're concerned that she may become paralyzed if she takes it off. It's, it's a horrible situation. And I'll tell you, John, at the end, they asked me, well, what do we do now? Do we need to sign up with you? Whatever. I said, look, I said, you can. Uh, certainly, we can help you. There's a, I have a good, good team. We can help you. But I want you to think about everything I said. Take your time. Take the weekend to think about it. Take the week to think about it, the month, whatever it is you need. And this is important. It's important people feel that they get the information that, that, that they need. And, and many lawyers fail to do that. They fail to answer questions. Some of them are good at doing it at the beginning when they want to, you know, sign you up. They'll they'll give you, you know, the whole thing. You know, they they will. It's it's complete theatrics. They'll tell you how good they are. They they're gonna promise you the sky. They're gonna tell you I'm gonna get you a million bucks. They're gonna do everything, and in the process, try to answer as many questions as you have. And some of these individuals, after you retain them they fall off the face of the earth. You can't get a hold of them. You have no idea what's happening with your claim. You're, an, you know, you're asking their assistant questions. They have no idea. They're saying, you know, I'm, I'm sending it to Mr. or Miss so-and-so, you know, so they can, they can respond to you, and you never hear back. That is inappropriate. So this is not the responsiveness issue we talked about before. This is just how do you deal with individuals who've come to you for help? right? If you have a doctor, you want to make sure that doctor gives you all the information you need to make that decision about your condition. Right. You're not that, you know, you, you want that menu of options and you want to understand, you know, the pros and cons, and then you want their advice and recommendation on what to do. That is exactly what your lawyer should do at every step of the proceeding. And if they're not doing that, it means you're not informed. You're not informed about your case. 
You're not informed about the the you know potential uh, uh, ways that that your claim uh, can be resolved. You know, lack of information is lack of power. The more information the lawyer gives you on an ongoing basis, the more power you have. So you want that power. It's your case. That's a huge, huge thing. You want to make sure that your lawyer communicates and is able to provide you with all the information you need to make the critical decisions in your case that you need to make. Again, uh, one eight five five. Sorry, about one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Just want to throw the number out there if people are wondering. Next one. Sure. What is it? Yep. Sorry, John. I, I, you know what? I'm very passionate about this. So. Well, you should be for sure. Uh, yeah, so so this is another thing here. I, I do get this. It's, it's not as often, but I do hear from people who call me up and say that they're lawyers. They're lawyers, okay? Stress the word they're lawyers. <sighs> are disrespectful towards them. Call them names. Uh, treat them, uh, you know, like they're kids. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how much that aggravates me when I hear that. A lawyer should have the utmost respect for their client. And as soon as they don't have that, it means that they don't have respect for your case. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have respect for the, your case, you're not going to get what you deserve. You're not going to get the attention you deserve. Your case is not going to get the attention it deserves. And you're going to end up in not the best circumstance, right? I mean, you can be in a situation where you either don't get the money you're owed or nothing at all. So you want to make sure that whatever lawyer, whichever lawyer you go to, that lawyer treats you with respect, treats anyone that comes with you, if it's a family member for support, with respect. And if a lawyer is being disrespectful to you, my advice is you call them up on that and you leave them. You leave them. It's it's very for me to say leave your lawyer. That's a huge huge uh, thing, John. Yeah. It's a high bar. I don't tell people to, to leave their lawyers for no reason. But if your lawyer disrespects you, calls you names, or or, or you know just acts in a way that's completely inappropriate towards you, that is unacceptable. Lawyers are not gods. Lawyers, as far as I'm concerned, are are you know people who provide a service for someone who's right. come to them for that service. It's that simple. So that's that's another uh, point. Last point. Yep. Lawyers who pressure you to do something, and I get this too. I get people calling me telling me my lawyer pressured me to sign the settlement agreement. My lawyer pressured me to do this or pressured me to do that. So I want to delineate between two types of pressure. There is pressure that is applied. Uh, in in a way that is inappropriate, and then there is pressure that's applied in a way that I think is appropriate okay. within reason. Okay. It's inappropriate for a lawyer to tell you you have to sign this settlement agreement. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's your case. There's a lawyer that's going to tell you you have to uh, uh, stay at home because if you don't stay at home and go back to work, then your income loss claim is right. going to be worth a lot less. No, you don't. You're supposed to do what's right. If you can go back to work, go back to work. Uh, but then there is the right kind of pressure, which I apply to sometimes. It's not a pressure that says you have to do this or else, but it's a pressure that explains to you, look, there's a gravity to the situation. We are right now in a situation where this is the best deal we can get short of going to trial. You need to understand the full impact of you saying no to the settlement. Right. If you want to say no, that's fine, but you need to understand what's going to flow from that. And conversely, I've applied pressure on people not to accept settlements when I thought that those settlements were deficient. Right. When I told them, look, we can do better at trial, and we have. So, you know, you have to understand that. that my point is this. 
anything the lawyer tells you to do has to be done with respect and they have to explain the process and they have to explain what flows uh, you know flow from those actions but if a lawyer tells you you have to do this or else or else I'm going to do this or else I'm going to do that if you feel like you're being bullied by your own lawyer that is a problem it's a huge no-no again call call the lawyer up on that or leave them because clearly they don't have your best interests at heart so, John, I can go on in this, uh, mm-hmm. but I, yeah. I think uh, you know we've given enough. My point is this: you got to make sure that the lawyer you hire is the right lawyer, both in terms of the law that they practice, as well as in terms of their temperament, their knowledge, and and just you know the way that they treat you, the way they respond to you, the way that they explain things to you. You want to make sure you have the right person in your corner. And we'll take it from there, man. Good stuff. It's one 821 5900 to get a hold of Savannah now that we are through for this week. DisabilityRights.ca, the website, and email is help at DisabilityRights.ca. We'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.